Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. I just want to uh, just come around God's Word and, and tell you a couple of good things. Father, we pray... We just we thank you, Lord, and we thank you for all the people that we've talked about and appreciated today. But most of all, we look to you, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. You are awesome, and we love you, and we, we follow you, and we pray you'd speak to us from your word in this brief time. Amen. Um, hey, also, great to have my mum here, by the way. Come down for the wedding from Port. Um, so I want to read a scripture to you from Matthew chapter 10. You can look there or you can look at the screen. It will hopefully come up. Matthew 10, verse 38, 39 from the New Living Translation. This is Jesus speaking. And he said, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. Come on, aren't you glad you came to church? You hear some words hit you smack between the eyes. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Well, this is such an important statement. Jesus made that all four gospel records recorded, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, all remembered Jesus saying this and wrote it down. And in fact, Matthew records Jesus saying it twice, not just he wrote it down twice. Jesus referred to this and spoke about this at two different occasions because this time in Matthew 10, he's in Jerusalem. But if you flip over your pages, you get to about Matthew 16. He's in Caesarea Philippi, Caesarea Philippi, the city. And he said this, if you go to Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So this is the essence of the Christian life. This is, you know, a life well lived in God's eyes is... Very different from what the world talks about, the world that we're in, our society. Because the life that God approves of begins with death. It's kind of weird. It begins with sacrifice. It begins with actually turning away from what seems natural and normal, turning away from the values of the world that's around us, values that are promoting self-centeredness. And that's what our society encourages. But God comes straight against that with these words and this proclamation and this value system that he's got that's very different. But here's the great news. You die and then this life is resurrected into a life that flows with energy and direction and purpose and joy and love and peace and all these wonderful qualities that come straight from the throne of heaven through the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus saving us and empowering us and sanctifying us and goes straight into our life and grows in our life. And of course, it's not automatic. It's not easy necessarily. It's not just, you know, fix it straight away, but it's the beginning of a constant stream of life-changing blessing, a beginning of a relationship. And who knows when you're in relationship with someone, they affect you. You think of your best mates or your wife that you love or your, your kids and you, you, you hang around with those people and you, you, you love them and the relationship builds and then there's this social osmosis taking place where you're, you, you hang around with people 
often enough and then someone will say, oh, you, you remind me of that person. You, you talk like them. You, you know, you got the same mannerisms as them. And, and, and then that's exactly what happens with us as we walk with the Lord. You start sounding like him and talking like him and feeling and acting like him. And, and that's the way it should be. And that starts with, with death. <laughs> it starts with this sacrifice. And, uh, and so that's why, you know, um, when you live this kind of life, it, it embraces the values that, that God promotes that are very different to the world. Values of service and servanthood, of commitment to a cause greater than your own comfort, of faithfulness that God will rely on and other people can rely on. And, and today we honour people who make those sacrifices, who lives that kind of life, who commits to serve people who are not just holding on to their life but doing exactly what Jesus said they're giving it up and then in doing so you're finding it you find this life that is incredibly rich incredibly rewarding and it all comes from dying and sacrificing and then following and serving Jesus so there's this wonderful irony you know this is the great thing about Christian service that it's a paradox it's a paradox of renewal that when you die, that's when you live. When you serve, that's how you actually grow. And as we grow and go deeper in God, this you know, sense of reward and satisfaction comes to us and it comes intrinsically. It just, you know, we don't need to be thanked. And the people that we get up here and all that, they do it, you know, who would do all that all year just for a box of favourites? I mean, I love chocolate, but it's just not worth it if we're only talking about chocolate. Because I can go and buy my own chocolate and never serve and just work hard and make my own money and have all the chocolates I need. So that's not how it works, you know. So we don't do it, you know, to be thanked. You don't need the appreciation, um, which is just as well because, you know, you, you, you just wouldn't do it. For, like I said, we don't give up serving if no one notices or when no one notices, because how many times have you done something in the life of the church or to your neighbours or in your family or you've given or ministered in such a way and no one saw? Well, that's all right because your reward's in heaven. If you go around pointing to yourself all the time, it's like, great, all right, well, there's your reward. Enjoy your chocolates. You know, but there's a greater reward. Um, I, I, I recently heard about someone, uh, you know, I mean, a, a gift a gift is good. Gifts are great. I love um this uh, we've got a friend who's very hospitable. They had someone staying with them for a year in, in the, the flat you told me about. Was it more than a year? It was a relative, stayed with them for a year. For a year. They didn't charge them rent. Oh, they charged them a very small rent. It would have been a token. I know this couple. It would have been a token rent. They're very generous. So this relative stayed with them for a whole year. And the person was not easy, quite difficult, quite demanding, used everything in the house. They went away. They come back, you know, and they just just eat all the food and not replenish anything, found their best uh, moisturiser and makeup and all that, and yes. thank you, got stuck in, you know. Just the, it was really testing, but it's a relative. They're like, yeah, okay, you know. And then finally, when the person had, was going to move on because they're moving away, they came to them and they said this. They said, thank you for having me. No gift could possibly show how appreciative I am. You see where this is heading? So I have no gift. 
I mean, oh, come on. That's just a bit rich, isn't it? I just, I just know that a gift, there's no gift that could possibly show how much I... That's weak, you know, really. You can at least give them some chocolates, you know. So they didn't give them anything. I thought that was funny and sad, you know, at the same time. So we do show appreciation. We do buy people flowers and chocolates and we give them cards and Christmas presents, you know. Come on, it's fun. You know, it's great. We give you... But external rewards aren't the same as internal or intrinsic reward. And teachers and parents, you know this. You know, you, you, when kids are little, you give them all kinds of accolades just because they've done something pretty basic. Wow, you're amazing. Here's your certificate. You know, you, you, you know, didn't kill your brother. Woo, you know, and you, you, you tidied your room and you, you know, whatever. And, and you've done your chores or, or something pretty simple. But over, over time, they're expected to enjoy the feeling of just doing the right thing of just getting the job done, of just the satisfaction of, well, that's my role in life. I'm not just, a, uh, I'm not just sucking the life out of others. I'm not just going to take. I'm going to give. And in, and in giving, oh, what do you know? It actually feels better than taking. Because someone once said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Oh, that's right. That's Jesus. Unlike the American Express ad that I saw many years ago that quoted it and then said, anonymous. It's like, oh, please, I'll tell you who said it. And, uh, and so Jesus is on to something here. You think God may know how we should live? I've got a funny idea that the Creator has a good idea of what I should do with my life. And so when I read this, it's confronting, but I realise, no, if I lean into this, if I really obey what he's saying, I'm going to end up getting blessed. I will find my life in giving it up, losing it, taking up my cross and saying, Lord, use me, send me, I'll do whatever you like, I'll, you know? Rather than just, no, I'm just going to do a bit of a deal-making thing here. I've got my salvation. God answers prayer. I like this. I've got a few needs. I've got a shopping list. God, you're going to do this? I'm go- yeah, okay. Oh, and what do you want? Oh, Sunday mornings. Oh, I'll go, I'll go on a roster, just a bit. All right. yeah, and that's a little bit of a deal thing going on in my heart. No, you're better off just laying your life on the altar. Because, you know, God's so gracious, he'll meet you wherever you're at. You can just get your ticket to heaven. And say, oh, well, you know, I'm just, yeah. And be rather, let's face it, rather ambivalent towards God. Sadly, I, I know quite a few Christians, none of you, of course, but I know some Christians who are really pretty apathetic about their faith, about the walk they have with the Lord. And it's very easy in our society, 21st century Australia, you've got to only work just reasonably hard and you can make enough money, and money buys stuff, and you can just caught up in a materialistic, very comfortable kind of busy life, and just enjoy all the pleasures of the world. But it's all going to end. Kirk Douglas, Spartacus, 1960, dimple on the chin, body like a Greek god. Is anyone old enough to remember that movie? He's a hundred years old. He's still alive. Good on him. He's still alive. But he's a hundred years old. He's not going to be 150. You know, there's a time that comes and then you've got to look back on your life. And, uh, you know, he, I read a quote of his the other day. He said, Bert's gone. Um, Bert Lancaster, good friend. You know, some of these, he said, uh, uh, Lawrence Olivia, he said, they're all gone. I'm lonely. That was his life. Hollywood, the glory days, back in the 60s, 50s, you know. I was thinking, oh, Kirk, hopefully you're looking forward. You know, I mean... Don't be too lonely because at any moment you're going to draw your last breath and bang, you've gone into eternity. And let's hope Bert's there. 
and Lawrence, and you can perform for us on the stage. Honestly, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, to win an Academy Award, to be a hero, a successful, you know, even the body, even the body thing. You think, oh, look at that body. You look at those brownie. Listen to me. Your abs are great, but you might be a hundred and they won't be there. I'll be down by your knees. Kirk Douglas does not look like he did in Spartacus anymore, you know. And so, you know, really, young people, you know, it's like, good, go to the gym, get fit and all that. But it's not, you know, all, that's not what it's all about. You know, it's, that's just another version of physical materialism. Just the, the, so, you know, what I'm saying is life is deeper and richer. And, um, and, uh, and so, as I said, we train our kids, whether we're teachers or parents, on trying to get the intrinsic reward of, oh, I'm enjoying doing the right thing. I'm enjoying, this is called maturity. Yeah, not just to be consumers. So we shouldn't be just consumers of God's grace and God's blessing, but contributors, people who are willing to serve and give and contribute and with our gifts. So, for example, next year we're going to do a whole series on discovering your gifts and how your gifts, you know, in the word and in God's ways, you know, you can, you can figure out what you're good at. But even beyond that, again, we've got to watch that we don't get so picky and say, oh, that's not my gifting. No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. It's not my gifting. It's like, oh, come on. You know, Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, just lose your life, but only give it back in portions that suits you with your gifting. You know, there is just an element. Like the wedding on Friday, we got a lot of people with different gifts, but all with the same spirit of servanthood. And so some people are good at organising and planning, like Bethany, running around, figuring out, and, we'll, and we work on, you know, and I do the service, and we think, figure, and we've got Ella and Caleb emceeing in the reception, but then we've got the whole, you know, Henry and Nadia's family, we've got one of the girls just baking, like these amazing cupcakes, thousands of them, all right, at least dozens or hundreds, you know, and the beautiful biscuits, like just, and that's their gifting, and she, it's like, wow, and then there's the other guy's building this arbor frame thing and, and everybody and it takes a lot of service and it's the same on Sundays here and connect group people opening their home tidying the house praying over the word you know, and children's ministry they don't just rock up and say right oh, you kids sit in the corner what's the telly eat some chocolate you know no they're praying and they're at least that's the theory, you know. Yeah, they are. They got lessons and they're praying over them and working and preparing and you know it takes work. But isn't it a great feeling? Parents, kids, when you go home and I hear some of the kids' workers will say, oh, this little kid today, you should have heard what they said. Out of the mouth of babes. You know, we're talking about Abraham and this and that. And they go, ah, ah, ah. They say this incredible, cute, theologically sound thing. And you go, oh, wow, something's getting in. And they're learning and growing. And you go home thinking, well, that was really satisfying. You know, and you didn't get anything. You just gave. And it took quite an effort. But you get the internal reward of, a job well done, I'm serving the Lord, I'm building the house, I'm serving, you know, I'm helping being part of Jesus, building his church. And so, uh, you know, next year, again, in, in February, we'll have a, we have a special service Sunday and we talk about all different areas of ministry and teams that you can get involved in and volunteer in. But um, no point signing up without the right spirit and attitude and we don't need to even be on a roster to serve the Lord. We just have a heart. And, of course, in summer, uh, sorry, you know, Christmas, summertime, Christmas season, there's people that need our service by us stepping forward with our faith and our witness. And that's an effort. It's so easy just to stay in your comfort zone. Like I'm with my motorbike guys the other day, and it's the last time I'll see them before some of them all go off overseas and guys that aren't 
yet born again, and they uh, they'll travel a bit, and they're going off around Christmas, Europe for Christmas and all that. And uh, and I I got three particular guys that I'm reasonably close with, and I have this fantastic little book that Rick Warren wrote. It's the beginning of his Purpose Driven Life book, and it's just called "What on Earth Are You Here For?" and it's quite strong about what it begins with the phrase it's not about you and it's about you know purpose in life what's what are you and uh, and so i could easily just avoid talking about the lord and they just want to talk motorbikes and travel and all the things they spend their money on but i just just took them aside and said guys i got a christmas present for you you got to admit i've been reasonably restrained you know i'm pretty passionate about god and following Jesus and, uh, and here's your gift and I gave them this book and they didn't chuck it on the ground they appreciate that I've been building this relationship for a couple of years and so that's my weekly witness there and a moment where I say this is the best thing you read it on the plane when you're going overseas you know and, and give yourself uh, the, the, the attention that it deserves and, uh, and so there are opportunities that we can let go by and that's another you know the, the best ministry we can do uh, is to you know witness to someone Amen We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.